This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. Okay, good. Good, good. Thank you very much. Okay, um, I, I, I'm not... I, I don't know how much the Olam Hebrew language words I'll use... Um, um, I, in the yeshiva, I feel very, very comfortable using Hebrew words, Yiddish words. Um, I don't know where that would take us here, so I will try not to. If, uh, if there's something I said that doesn't uh, really, um, that's, that's not understandable, please ask me. I just, I just um, have a hard time concentrating on it the whole time. I'd like to speak a little bit about um, many of the, you know, there's, there's a lot spoken about the contrast between Klal Yisrael and Yavan. The reason is because of all the nations that we came up against, they are closest to us. It's even a little hard for us to say, you know, Paro is easy to say, you know, we, we have his descendants today and, you know, we, we, um, we have no problems seeing them as bad people and so on. That's fine. Uh, Paras didn't, does not come across terribly sympathetic. They were very hedonistic people and that was that. Um, Bovel is gone and whatever we know of it wasn't fantastic in Rome. Certainly it was cruel, arrogant and so on, military. But Yovan is uh, nice. Yovan is um, the first beginning of, of, of reason, of understanding. And it's very hard to, to sit and to keep thinking of Yovan as being the bad guys. So, and, and we are closest to them. The morale makes this point in many ways that Yovan is it's, it's the language that we could translate Torah into. They're very close to us. So therefore... It's, it's significant to try to find different dimensions of divergence, how they, they, they diverge from each other and how they are not alike to each other. So I wanted to pick an angle that is, it, it, it seems to be kind of a side point, but the truth of it, it goes very much to the heart of the difference. The, one of the, the, the key... Um, I guess the key role for Yovan and the Yovan part of of humanity was Yaft Elokim Yefes, the Yishkan Balishen. That the 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 shot of the word Yaft actually means um, broaden. Most Rishonim, the word Yaft is not an easy word to 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 get a handle on. It doesn't have an easy counterpart. The word Yaft, most Rishonim say, means to give him a lot, like like the word, the pay tough, in Aramaic and Hebrew, passe means broad, so it means give him a lot, give him broad land and so on. The means it'll make him comfortable, but the the um, the, the Gemara says Yafifiso shall Yavon Shem. The beauty of Yavon has a place in tens of Shem, specifically. The halacha of writing a Sefer Torah. Writing a Sefer Torah, writing Divik Tusha, it's a machlokas if it could be in any language, or specifically in Hebrew, 
even if you hold it can't be in other languages, it can be in Yavanis. It can be in Greek. So there is something which is given to them, and it's unique. And the Gemara dashes it from the um, from the from the Afifuso Shal Yavon that it's something which they were given beauty. Their language is a beautiful language, and we understand that their language is beautiful. It also means that it comes from a cultured and intelligent nation, and therefore we can write Torah in it. So, so if we describe the, um, the, the uh, something about Yavan which is positive, it would be Yofi, beauty. We have a counterpart to it, and that counterpart is something that is similar in a very, very strange way. There's another, one of the other words in Hebrew, meaning beauty, is hod. Hes, hevav, dalit. Um, and the, 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 the Rizal says that the days of Hanukkah are there to give Kalal Yisrael the appropriate hod. Um, now, so we have a yofi, a type of beauty that's yavon, and that's called yofi. We have a type of beauty that is um, for Klai Yisrael, and that's called hod. And we're, we're having, I mean, first of all, we're going to have to define what hod is, because it's a very strange word. It's a word that usually is a cross between beauty and awe. It's sort of an awe-inspiring beauty. If you have a chumish, uh, I mean, yeah, if I could trouble you. The the um, the word hod is is specifically mentioned by Moshe Rabbeinu. It says you shall gather in people, you, you, you shall appoint people to help you. And it says, that you shall give some of your, um, some of your hod. And Rashi says it means, So it says like this, it says, take Yoshua Benun, he's a man of spirit, and put your hands on him, have him stand in front of uh, in front of Loza Cohen and the whole community. Vinasata me hoidcha. So Rashi says, Hod is kirun or upon him, the shine and the glow on the face. So um, Hod is some sort of beauty, some sort of um, halo, some sort of aura, perhaps is the best word for it. But first of all, so how does that match up? It's a very specific type of beauty. Um, how do we differentiate between Hod, the beauty of Hod, and the generic beauty of Yofi? Besides which, in the Pasuk here also, it's a little hard to understand. You want to appoint somebody to be a leader. So you say, okay, take him. Endow him with divine spirit so that he can do prophecy. He can do nevuah. Okay, that makes sense. But... It's like saying, imagine I say something, well, I'd like you to appoint him as a, a, a rabbi, chief rabbi, um, 
make sure he gets a nice top hat and long coat. Well, maybe, it, it, you know, maybe that's part of it, but that's not, the, I mean, the, the Pasuk is saying, pick the man of spirit, put your hand, command him, and give him your hold. Right, so, so, so first of all, I mean, so how does Moshe down with that aura, but more than that, is that the quality that's so significant? It's a nice thing, but, you know, the, the Hadras Panim, is, it, it, it just seems to be so out of it. The um, we also have before. It says that when 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 Moshe Rabbeinu um, came down after the Chet Eagle, it says the people were scared to face him. So the same idea of a hod of being current or panov, meaning is 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 something which inspires some sort of fear or. So how's that beauty? Beauty is something which inspires um, <coughs> appreciation. You like something. Something is, is, is beautiful. It's attractive. If something is awe-inspiring, it's nice, but it kind of it keeps you at a distance. That's the, that's the awe that's inspired. So we have a, something called hod, which is a type of beauty. Not clear to us what type of beauty it is. It stands as sort of parallel to Yofi, represents Kali Yisrael as opposed to Yavan, and, and, um, and, and we don't have a, a full sense of what it is. I'd like to, there's another, a, a, another source to examine that would sort of describe the two, um, one of them would describe Hod. There's a passage that speaks about the attributes that belong to God. Everything that God has it says, We say it every day if we get in time for Pesach Zimra. We say it, and, and, it's a, and David HaMelech says, Everything belongs to you, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Everything beautiful, nice, grand, strong, gracious in the world is yours. So the Malbim explains that the Pesach has two halves to it. V'atiferes. <coughs> Grander uh, strength and glory it, it, it are things that are of this world. Vanetzach vahod are things that transcend this world. Kichol b'ashamayim because everything that is in heaven and earth belongs to you. So gedula gvuratiferes are on earth. They're beautiful things. They're great things, and all belongs to Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And Netzach and Hod transcend that. Netzach, he says, means things that are eternal. There's nothing in this world that's eternal. So we're talking about things that are spiritual, transcend. So Ramam explains that. But then Hod also is something that belongs to that realm. And, and yet, he doesn't explain what that is exactly. He says Netzach and Hod belong to some realm above us, beyond us. And the word Netzach definitely means that. Eternal is something that's not of this world. Everything in this world crumbles and comes together. So what, what do we have over here? So I would, like to, um, I, I, I would like to explain it. Some of this point, Rav Hutna explains in a, in a certain side way. I, I'm going to say it a little differently, but a, a, lot, of the, a lot of the central thrust is his. Let's take an example. 
if I find, if, I, if I'm walking, if, if, I'm in the, if, if I am in a market, in a fruit market, and I take an apple, so what do I see? I see an apple, it, it looks red, it, it smells good, it feels kind of crispy, and I say to myself, it's an apple, the apples are good, it's worth buying apples and so on. Okay, let's say um, in a desert, I'm driving by, and all of a sudden, there's an apple there. So I don't say, um, well, this apple, it's red, crisp, I guess, season, apple season must be, must be in, in full swing, and, you know, just find somebody asking what the price is. Nobody around for the next 100 miles, but I say to myself, where's it coming from? What's going on over here? Um, there's something more to it. There are, there are sometimes when a thing, um, when a thing projects itself and itself only, and sometimes it leads you to something else. Let's take another example. If I see something, um, if I see some, sometimes I, I, I'm holding something in a bag. But then, I, but then the bag is straining, and I see something is bulging out. And, it, it, and, and it's, it's almost telling me something's inside here being hidden by the bag, and so on. Yofi is the quality of presentation, projection of presentation. Beauty, in, in, the big, in the big picture, in the big scheme of things, beauty is God created everything with an external um, sign. This is what I am. And that's why, for instance, fruits are at their nicest and most appealing when they're ready to eat. Um, most things that rot uh, present a very unappealing smell, um, sight, and, 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 and so on. The, the, the beauty is the interface of creation and uh, and, uh, and and man who's interacting with it. Those things that are beautiful <laughs> present itself as good, as worthwhile, um, as beneficial. Those things that are ugly send off a message. So everything beautiful presents itself and itself only. But there is another type of presentation where something presents more than itself. And let's take the example, the prime example that, he's, that he deals with, and, and, let's, and, let's, uh, and let's use that. The Hadras Panim, the word Hod and Hadar go together very much in Tanakh. The, the, the Hod and Hadar seem to be two halves of one word. I thought that explains how they work in tandem, not the point I want to make but I do want to understand it in terms of being similar. When I see a person who's big, thick, muscular, robust, so the picture presents is, I am strong and powerful, look at my muscles, look at my girth, look at you know, everything about me, this is what I am, I'm, I'm a bull, I'm strong, and, and, and so on. When you see the face of somebody who's spiritual, or who's wise. The Pasuk says, Chachmas Adam Tarpanov. You talk to somebody, and it's the other way around. 
the more expression there is in the face, in other words, it's almost as if if the flesh, if if what you see is when you see somebody who's physically strong and robust, it's like a hulk. You know, you you see the flesh, and, and there isn't much expression. A person who who's who has a lot of chachma, a lot of sensitivity, the things that we would consider to be um, qualities that are much more spiritual, it comes across in the fact that it's almost as if the flesh is melting before something else. You, you see the the, the the glint in the eye, the dancing of the eye, the 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 the, the, the amount of expression in the face. The skin is bending itself and and sort of presenting the expression that conveys a sense of depth in the person beyond the face. So when you see somebody muscular and strong, you, you look at the flesh, and, and, it's, and that's all you see, and, and, it's, and the flesh is presenting itself. When, when you're looking at someone whose chachma is being mer panim, whose, whose wisdom is, is making him shine, you see the face giving way before something be, before something deeper inside. I remember when I was um, when I was a, a young teenager, I began to become very interested in, in learning and you know Yiddish. I mean, I was always from, but sort of moving into a realm of becoming ben Torah. Somebody was mashpia, and you know, I started kind of And we had um, we had pictures of gedolim. You know, I had pictures of different gedolim in, on, on, in my room, and I had a cousin who came, uh, uh, not not a religious woman, um, a few years older than us, and she was looking at it, and she couldn't figure out, I mean, like, why would we pin up pictures of old men? And, um, you know, she, she, I mean, what she'd seen in her house, well, you know, the pinups came in different varieties, but no, no frail old men with beards, <laughs> whatever it was, that wasn't, that wasn't just a subject for a pinup. And she asked, like, who are these pictures, what? So I asked, I said, I said, Hannah, what is that, what is, looking at that face, what does that tell me? And she says, you know, such gentle wisdom, like, like a, a face of, I said, yeah, I said, you know, this, that's exactly, that, that's exactly why we hang it. Um, the, 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 the ability of that to give that is that. Rav Hutna explains the word hod is the same word as hodah, which means to admit, like when a person admits guilt. It's also very hard to have to find any common denominator between Hod and Hoda uh, on the surface of it. But he explains it remarkably, the only way only he could, that whenever you give way for something else, that's a form of you know when you admit what you're doing is you are stepping aside for the other person. The person said X, and you say, yes, I, you know, at first I'm opposing it, and then I bend for him. So hold is a word that implies bending for the other. It's a flexibility. It's, 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 it's giving way for the other. Hodah is, so hold is so 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 when 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 the features on a face be, bend themselves, make way for the expression on them, 
Um, that is a type of hope. He, it, the same thing is true uh, when Moshe Karn or Panov. That means Moshe Rabbeinu conveyed that there's a lot more to him than his flesh and blood. He's carrying Torah, he's carrying Chachma, he's carrying uh, Nevoah, all of those things. So, 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 so the the um, the shine on Moshe Rabbeinu was that. That's why Moshe Rabbeinu, when he asked, when when he was told to pick Yeshua and to give him a gift or to bestow upon him leadership, the thing that's most important about a leader is certainly he needs to to be on a higher madrega. He needs to be able to. Um, he himself needs to be of stature, and he needs to be in greater. But you need to be able to present it. Just like a beautiful speaker is vital to teach, because he needs to... It's not enough that I know the material, but can I convey it? Um, a marketing person needs to know how to market something. The, the gift in Ruchnius to be lead is to show people that there is more than what's in front of them. To lead somebody means I'm taking him to some place beyond where they are. And, and, the, and the ability to do that, that's called current, that's, that's current or. It, it produces a fear because anytime I'm faced with something unknown, let's say I'm in a house and I hear noises, that's scary. Because I don't see anything, but I hear noises. If, if let's say, I see somebody, I, let's say there's a curtain or something, and I begin to see it move in and out. It, it's very scary, because when something is hidden, but there's a realization that there's somebody there. I remember I was called there, my, my brother used to have two floors underneath us, and he said there's something very frightening I need to have. And... I went down to the house, and there was a blanket laying on the bed, and the blanket started moving. And, oh my gosh, and then maybe it's an animal, or maybe, and, and it started moving in a very strange pattern. And it was, it was kind of frightening. I mean, we were two big grown-ups, and, but it was, it was very frightening. And then we, we threw a broom at it, and my poor nephew came out from the blanket. He had, he had overslept and stayed there. Nobody knew that he was there. But, but the idea of something covered and moving was very, very frightening. Anytime when you're seeing the expression of something that's beyond, that's hidden from you, that's, that's where the awe comes from. So the two... So, so we've, def, we've given some sort of um, description of what hold is. And I want to try to see it in terms of, its, of how it's vis-a-vis Yofi. And understand it, where it affects things. I mean, it's, it's nice that we have two different versions of aesthetics, but, but, but you're fine, the, the pinups, different types of pinups. But that's not, I mean, we want to look at some sort of central point of distinction. So let's, let's understand the following. Until, until Yavon came around, m- men were blind. Until Greece came to the world, men were stupid. They were, um, they were superstitious, and the whole world was just 
you know, just, uh, I mean, very primitive people just dealing with, with nature in a very crude way. The first ones to be able to get a handle on nature and see something and, and see it, it's got rhyme and reason. I mean, you know, the, 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 the Aristotle was the first work of, of, of describing nature. Instead of dealing with different gods, it was, it was actually a description and parts right, parts wrong, parts somewhat right, but, but, but it was there. And, and you began to see somewhat, began to see the complexity of the world and, and some of its mechanism. Now, when a person sees that, there are two directions he goes with it. One is, how wonderful is nature? Science is an extraordinary discipline because we can take a look and see how awesome nature is, and we can soak up the beauty of nature and admire nature, and, and so on and so forth. Or we can say, one minute, something else is spilling over. Something else is, is it, I, I, it's, I see, it's, it's, I, it's like the apple I found in the desert. One second, it's not about it being red and crisp. And this. The, the next question is, where's it coming from? Who pulled the strings? Who put the pieces into place? I once read an article, there was a magazine in, 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 in Israel, it was called Mada, Science, and like everything in Israel, it was not a private enterprise, it was put out by Weizmann Institute, which was um, sponsored by the government. And they stopped at some point because the government stopped sponsoring. It was, it was a very, very nice, I guess it was sort of like Scientific American, but without the advertisements and the glass, it was just really, really nice, straightforward articles in any book. And... I cut out, I still have it in my house because it just stunned me. There was an extraordinary article about, it was the, the life cycle of fig trees and specific types of wasps. And it wasn't only fig, it was picus, it was the, was the, was the, the genus. Um, and it, it detailed the most intricate dance between, there are five stages of the wasp laying an egg inside the, the, um, in, inside the open blossom. Then the blossom closes. Then it, the conditions become good for the larva to ripen. Then the gas builds up and it opens up. And, and all the stages work equally well for both. In other words, each piece has to interact it, it, and each one is, is, does well for its own. It's, it's, it's sort of a dance of two things coming together. Really, really remarkable. I, I, there are a lot of things about the, 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 there are different follicles inside it. The shorter ones, the longer ones is where they nest, and the shorter ones stays for the, for the, for the figs and so on. Very fascinating article. At the end of it, the last line, the person writing the article says, I can't finish this article without quoting... My teacher, the botany, my botany teacher, so and so, so, who said there is no end to the wonders of evolution. And like it took me a stunned moment, and I had I had two feelings about it. First of all, um, I didn't know that evolution could bring out a religious ecstasy. You know, it's kind of rolling your eyes is reserved for like from people and. 
they should, you know, this is not part of your thing. Secondly, there's a, there's a contradiction because evolution is not supposed to be wondrous. It's supposed to be simple. A, a complicated system should not have withstood the rigors of time. It, it makes no sense. The bees that just laid their eggs in some little old grass should have survived a lot more than, this, than the ones that had to dance with a fig tree together. And, and you know, the, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. There's no end to the wonders of evolution. It's self-contradictory. But that's not the point I, I, I want to take out. Yes, one can look at it and say, this took a lot of work and realization, and, and look at this beautiful, beautiful cycle. And what do you see? I see a beautiful, beautiful cycle here. And it's extraordinary. Look at, the, look at the symmetry, look at the so on and so forth and everything. But one second, um, is that all that's, that's being shown over here? It's just a very, very nice cycle? Um, isn't something else spilling out over here? Isn't something spilling into it? Akarish Baruch who reveals himself in creation through Hod, that is how Akarish Baruch who reveals himself. Um, Yofi is reveals creation, and and it all it is is it's 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 um, admirable in in its own terms, but when I take that and I say, but there's something more to it. There's something behind it. That's when I cross over to Hod. So so the the, the Hanukkah is a tikkun of Hod, because when Akadosh Baruch Hu spoke. Until and until bias until the first temple was destroyed, there was prophecy in Israel, and that included let's call it to some degree included Purim also. Um, there was still Ruach Hakodesh in a, in, a, in, a, in and it was still part of Malachi. Some of the prophets were still extant. Prophecy still lingered. Prophecy meant that Hashem spoke directly, didn't send any hints. The man behind the curtain would yell out. And say, Rabbi, say, I'm here. You know, don't make any mistakes. You know, and, and, and so on and so forth. If you, you know, if if you're not going to acknowledge my presence, this will happen. That will happen. The other thing will happen. So they, they, we communicated very openly, and that was and that was until that time. With the advent, with the cessation of prophecy, Akadosh Baruch Hu can only speak to us from from the world. And the only way we could hear that message is if we could understand that language. If instead of looking, if we looked at the old man who was frail, and I say, what do you see here? So if I'm a doctor, I say, well, I see a man who's five foot three, uh, a little undernourished, they're pale, and, and so on and so forth. Okay, and what else do you see? Well, I take two steps back and I say, I see a man with an extraordinary aura of, of, of wisdom, of kindness, of selflessness, and so on. Which one do you see? Is, is it wrong to say I see a little frail man of five foot two and so on and so forth? Um, no, but, but if that's what you stay with, then, then, then you, all you have is the, is the Yofi aspect of it, and not the Hod. That's HaKadosh Baruch Hu appears, Tiferes, Chosham Abdullah Bagur, Tiferes belongs in this world. It's part and parcel to Ferris's beauty, and it's the beauty appreciated as beauty, for the sake of beauty. That's fine. But that's this world. Hod is a very different type of beauty, and that's the beauty that's coming from there. <coughs> the, the, um, it, it's, it, it's very interesting. 
Shabbos candles, the Chiv is to use it. We're supposed to use it, and that's the halach of it. Hanukkah candles, we're not supposed to use. Now, um, not only are we not supposed to use this, it, it, it's, it seems it's like a side halacha. It, it's muktzah to know or to know or to know that it's a shei mitzvah and so on. But we make a big deal of it. When we say aner is halola, which is a very early, afterwards tefillah or amira, we, we make the point of saying that these candles are not to be used. I mean, is, is that so important? Is it such an important part of the mitzvah? I have another, I have another um, question to ask. Isn't light, by definition, only a means for something else? What does it mean when you have a light that's not supposed to illuminate anything? That, that's, a, that's a kind of strange light. I, I mean, light, by definition, is there in order to illuminate things. So why, why do we have a light that we can't use for anything? The answer is because if we use the light for here and now, all the light tells me is here and now. So if I'm using this light for this, this is what I can describe. How many lumens and, and, and what area it's illuminating. That's it. The light stays here. It's not, it's not illuminating anything else. But when I have a light that's far off, it's not casting light here, but it's telling me that down the road there's something further. So if I'm walking on a road, so the lights that are shining for me, they're illuminating my path. But, but then I see far away a light. It's not shining, it's not illuminating anything, but it's telling me there's something further ahead. The nair of Hanukkah is there to tell me Point the flashlight upwards, and don't don't point it at here. Point it someplace else. This light is pointing somewhere else, and 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 and, and that's where it's illuminating. It, it's the hide in the sense. It don't stop at what your eyes see. Extrapolate from your eyes onwards. Let's just put it together it's, it's, um, and, and just get the sense of it because it really is the crux of the Indian. The, I, in, in, in the most significant, the most significant piece in creation is the interface between God and us. God himself is invisible. God himself is beyond. God himself is not to be understood and so on. Those are things that are not God is not relevant to us. What's relevant to us is his interaction. And for a millennium or two, he chose to speak. And he would tell us what he wanted, and he would tell us what was right, and what was wrong. And we had miracles that where he openly stepped in and overrode nature. And that was, and that was, and, and, and that was the, um, until the end of the first bias, until the end of the first temple. It, it, we didn't have, at that time, there was no problem with any of it. From that point onwards, um, it, something radically changed. HaKadosh Baruch doesn't step out anymore overtly. HaKadosh Baruch doesn't talk overtly. Doesn't, doesn't step into, in, into creation. Now, we have to um, see it. And the interface becomes important. When a person's focus is on the interface, 
he also doesn't see. It's just like if I ask a, if, if I ask a kid, what is, it, what is this? It's a board. What's a, that's colored. What are the color letters? But he never puts the letters together and get a sense of what the message is. Then it's useless in a certain sense. We need an appreciation of Yofi in order to, to sense the message. But so Yovan was the first step. The primitive people didn't even get that. The primitive person never saw any complexity in creation, never saw anything worth noticing, never could appreciate the beauty of the symmetry, whatever it is. So okay, you know, so that's that and, 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 and fine. Yovan was the first people that said, hey, there's a method to it. It, it's, it's not just, uh, you know, when, whenever the god of lightning wants to throw lightning or whenever the god of water wants to shower us, we, we can actually figure out the system. And it's neat. It's really, really, it, 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 it's, it's, a, it, it's something that's fascinating. That was the first step. What they did was they stopped it at that. And they made that into, into beetle. I, I, let's give a, an example of one of the things that they were so upset with that goes to the heart of what we're saying. Um, Brismila. The, 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 the Greeks admired the human form for the beauty that it had. Human form is beautiful. It's graceful and, and, and there are many, many mathematical proportions in the body that animals don't have that makes us um, graceful and, and beautiful and so on. So to take that and to make a mark, to mar the body, is disgraceful. It's like somebody would take a, a painting and scratch off a part of the painting. You, you would feel like, like it's a crime, kind of. How can you do it? It's a marvelous painting, and you're scraping off something off the nose of the painting. Or something you go to a statue and kind of take a, a millimeter or two off the nose. I mean, it would be pretty uh, upsetting. It's vandalism. And that was the attitude. If the human body is so beautiful then anything, either you tell me that God made the human body imperfect, in which case that's, that's or you'll, you'll agree with me that it's perfect, and you're disfiguring it. Disfiguring is something, you're mutilating something. It, it's, it's, it's something, it's, it's vandalism of, 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 a, of a particularly bad kind. Our reply is, the beauty of the body is, it, it's like imagine somebody has a wrapping that's perfect. It's so perfect they can't open it up. Today we have it. We have the clamshells that, that you, can, you, you, you can labor on it for a while to get it open. But imagine the wrapping is so... That, that's not good wrapping. Good wrapping means it presents the thing in a nice way. If somebody has a frame for a picture where the frame is nice in a picture, it's not a good frame. It, 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 the, the human body is there as a platform for the neshama to come out. So, so the, the nick that we make in it is... It's just like when I have a plate and I want it to be a serving plate, I need to indent it. I, 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 need, to, I need to show you where the content is going to fit in. The chsima's bris, the, 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 the stamping of a bris on a person, makes it, it, it takes the human form and, and makes it subservient to the content it's going to have. The ktusha, the bris, whatever it is. That's the beauty of the body. That's the hold of the body. That the body is nothing more. The body is not, it's, it's all about it, its flesh and blood. It's about its flesh and blood serving for some other purpose. And that's why they were so against Brismila. Really, that was one of the things they were very upset. They, were, that they had 
a, a fascination with the human body and, 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 the, and the athletic body and so on. And this was marring this figuring, and we saw it as elevating because it's hot. The, the, um, the, so we have two, two ways of beginning to perceive things, the yofi and the hod mahalach. Yavon and the world afterwards, the fact that we're so infatuated with science, even philosophy tries to explain things in itself. In other words, there are concepts, these are the concepts of the world, this is what it's all about, and this is, and, and it's beautiful, it's stunning, it's deep. The, 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 in, in a certain sense, it's a step forward, but a terrible step backwards. It, you've made that step, and you've closed the loop, you've sort of sealed it before it could go to full, the full distance. Klal Yisrael has hold. And hold is, the beauty of something is when it gives way for a greater revelation, for something bigger than itself, for something that stands the neshama and the body, the, the, the internal Torah to the Torah, the, 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 the shine, the, the chachmas adam Torah panav, and so on. That's what real beauty is. Um, and Hanukkah, in a sense, because it's a yontif that came at that time, it's the only yontif that deals with a nace, uh, that there was something with, which, is, um, which was sort of hidden. It, it hidden in the sense was it was not spoken about, it was not quite open, it was in the base of Mikdash. The Halal says, Mizach Shem that you know, it's like, it's like from where the sun goes up in the entire world, God is revealed. Hanukkah is when you take Neros, and the Neros reveal nothing, except that there's more where the light came from. It's, it's an incredibly profound revelation, the fact that we have light. It's illuminating something, but nothing in our vicinity, nothing that we could put a hand on. It's, it's, it's it, the whole of of Klal the hod of 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 Hanukkah. That's what that result means. It 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 um, it put the hod of Klal into place, and Klal Yisrael could look at the world, the same world the Greeks saw, see the same thing Yavan saw, and 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 draw an, an infinite amount more light than the Greeks drew out of it. A lichtke Hanukkah. What? That is the Oregonist, exactly. Oregonist is the real or is the Oregonist, correct. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>